Canuck Central. Coming to you from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Did you hear? BC's best hockey store, The Hockey Shop, has moved to Langley, where you'll find bigger departments and better parking. Centrally located just off Highway 1 near the Langley Event Center. I know we just had a spirited debate about Avatar. Yes. But there is a movie trailer that came out today that I'm maybe more excited to see. Uh, Which movie is that? Uh, (laughs) Coke Bear. Coke Bear? (laughs) You mean cocaine bear? Cocaine bear, yes. That's what it's Sorry. called. It's okay. I mean, that's what it's called. <laughs> cocaine bear? Yes. I mean, obviously, nobody's condoning. The trailer is hilarious. <laughs> like it, it's it's so stupid, but they lean into it. They lean like so so read read the caption of the of the tweet. It's hilarious. Yes. Uh, the, um, I'm the bear who ate cocaine. This is my story, and then they. <laughs> Shows a bear just just terrorizing a group of people in the woods. I mean, I don't I don't know how they like. This is just um, it's really silly. It's it's, it's it's probably a very terrible movie. Uh, it's but re- it's it's absurd. But honestly, probably like, ninety minutes of of hilariousness while you forget anything else that may be going on with your life. It's mind numbing stupidity. <laughs> yes. That's what it is, right? You just watch it to like you know just that's that's all it is. But uh, I love the marketing of it because they they just leaned into it instead of trying to be like oh you know we're you know trying to make like they're just leaning into how stupid the whole thing is. Yes. Yeah. So good. Now I want to see it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I want to see it. Uh, so the Vancouver Canucks today coming off of, um, a sleepy loss, uh, to sleepy listless, listless loss to the, uh, to the Washington Capitals five, one yesterday, uh, Alex Ovechkin does what he always does. He scored a bunch of goals against the Vancouver Canucks or against the Bruce Boudreaux coach team passes, uh, Wayne Gretzky for most road goals in NHL history. Pretty impressive. Um, but Canucks, uh, were, were bad sat and it was one of those nights where I wonder if, you know, we all go into it saying this team still has to prove it. And then when they don't, we all immediately are like, okay, that's, there's the team again, showing its stripes. Well, guess they didn't. Uh, they didn't really improve on anything through the three-game road trip. No, and honestly, like so, so the way we like to evaluate, the way I like to evaluate generally, like how a team is playing, is looking at trends, looking at more than just one game or whatever, right? But what was troubling about the early part of the season? I mean, the first four games of the year, they blew multi-goal leads and they lost, and it, and it deserved a lot of heat and criticism and a lot of questioning about how this team was playing, what they were doing. It was a really, really bad trend, right? And then, you know, they kept going, not playing their best hockey, obviously, and we've just absolutely been criticizing it, and we haven't seen any way of getting out of it. So finally, they win five of the last six games. They play some of the best hockey of this season, which, like we talked to Kevin Woodley about, it's all relative. Your best hockey of the season is still not good enough to be winning consistent hockey, but it is the best you've played. And especially those two games against Vegas and Colorado, and you can talk about the opponent maybe not taking you, you know, maybe taking your likely or whatever. But regardless, you can only judge what you put on 
tape. And what they put on tape was two good performances. They went three in a row. So yesterday when the game happened, in my mind, I'm like, same old Canucks. Yeah. But if we're taking a pragmatic, you know, actual, you know, logical look at how they're playing and being fair about it, could it have been an outlier game? Yeah. You play three and four, tough back-to-backs, don't have much. You don't have your legs tonight. That happens every once in a while. I mean, the way Pedersen played, it was the worst game of the season for him. Yeah. Dash five, he was getting pushed around. And it wasn't just those One of the things. worst games we've seen Pedersen play. Yes. I'd say, no, it wasn't as bad as what we saw in the bubble year when he struggled to begin the season. Oh, okay. I, Honestly, that year is <laughs> seared. Nightmares about I do have I do have nightmares about that year. I really do. I don't think I was thinking about this yesterday. So people don't realize like how bad that year was, and people saw it on TV. But everybody knows that when you go to a hockey game, you see everything so much more clear than watching yeah. it on TV. Like especially from away from from the camera, you know how you do the details and everything. They're lucky there weren't eighteen thousand witnesses yeah. at the building that year. People would be appalled at yeah, how those guys were bad. playing. Like that's how bad it was, and it was bad this year too. But yes, that takes the cake. Even last year's start wasn't as bad as what that year was. It was deplorable. I mean, I I, I can't say enough bad things about how poorly the Canucks played that year. So it wasn't that bad. But it's the worst game he had. Even in his analytics were terrible. Like he had the yeah. worst analytics on the team that game. So eye test, you know, traditional stats, analytics—they all said the yeah. same thing. But because I saw that, I'm like, okay, he's a guy that never has bad games, hasn't had bad games this season. Why would he have a bad game? Maybe he's out of juice. Yeah. They played three and four in Colorado, in Vegas, in San Jose, and then come back home. Usually, even off of a road trip for most teams, the first game back from the road trip can tend to be a tough one to get your legs under you. So my question on the postgame show was, I don't want to – be overly negative because I do want to allow the possibility of it's just one of those games and all of a sudden they win the next three games at home and hey you, you just ended up losing two out of 11 yeah and you've won nine of your last 11 games you're gonna lose a couple of games that happens if that's the stretch we're looking at so be it you lost the game but what the coach said post game got my attention because I'm like I'm not sure what this is I'm really curious to find out the coach was disappointed like yeah. not just as he, he was mad about what he saw last night yeah uh, mentioned the word bullied yes. um, from the Washington Capitals. So he was not happy, and it didn't just, like, stop at last night's at. Bruce Boudreaux at practice today, <laughs> making it known to everybody in attendance that he wasn't happy with the way drills were going at, at practice and uh, maybe gave uh, his club a little bit of a scolding while he was yeah. – uh, running practice this morning as well. Here is uh, Bruce Boudreaux's comment on uh, what was behind that message for his team today. That they hated what happened yesterday, the effort, uh, everything else that went with it. Um, And, you know, they they would love to rectify that. And uh, they're hoping it was a one-off the way we've been playing lately. So that's... uh, that was the message. I didn't think they needed to go long. I mean, it was four games in six nights. and uh, So, I mean, w- with the schedule that we play, I think every second day almost for the next couple of weeks, that uh, <clears throat> just short, make my point, and tell them to be ready for tomorrow. So, <laughs> Coach uh, backed off a little bit by the time he spoke to media after practice, but wanted to keep it short. Yeah. I don't know how I feel. 
and don't do that again tomorrow <laughs> is essentially the message from Bruce Boudreau. You know, and he pretty much, what he essentially said last night too was they have to win the next three games. So the way, you, you know, Bruce has always set up the, you win the week. Mm-hmm. He looks at little stretches, one week, two weeks, you know, segments. That's kind of, kind of, kind of how he looks at things. And he says, okay, these next five games, we're going to win four or three or whatever. So looking at it, he said, we lost a game tonight. We didn't show up the way we needed. That means we've got to win the next three. So the way he's viewed it, and I think this is the right way to view it, especially when you look at the month of December and the Canucks trying to get back to 500, that if you win th- three out of four here, if you win the next three games, you find yourself being two points over 500. Still a successful homestand. So once you're done this homestand, you're two points over 500. And yeah. if you are, you're like, okay, we're on a road trip. Even if we're 500 on the road trip, when we come back, we're still over 500. Like we've passed that bar as a team. Mentally, I think he views that as a big thing. And like I've been saying this entire season, it's not about wanting the team to be mediocre and be 500. It's more about if you're trying to make the playoffs, you're trying to be competitive, or if you're trying to get out of this rut, you can be taken seriously as long as you're under 500. Even organizationally, kind of like... Yeah, we won a bunch of games, but we're still not a 500 team yet. So we're not even at the launching off point yet. We got to be able to get ourselves above water so we can launch off. So that's where the frustration, I think, comes from Bruce because he's looking at it and saying, man, had we won that game, then maybe we can win two out of the next three and it puts us in a good position. Now he's feeling the pressure already. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's what we got out of Bruce. Just the frustration of as soon as it felt like we're kind of on the right track again, now we got to win three just to get to the point we wanted to get to. Well, it's unfair to really criticize a team for losing one game when they've been on a decent run of late, right? Whether you think they were playing all that well or they weren't uh, during the run of five wins and six, you know, facts only, they have been turning their results around. You're still going to lose hockey games. You've just, you've got to win at a much higher pace now because of the way that you started. So... Yes, every game that you lose and every game that you lay a complete egg feels as though are we running back into our old habits. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that Bruce Boudreaux is hoping to guard against with this club. Like, let's sort of throw that one out the window. I'll give you guys a mulligan on it, but I don't we can't we can't keep having this happen. Well, and also like I think we know what this team is or is like by now. They ride yeah. the highs. And boy, did they ever wallow in the lows. And do you think if they lose another game against Florida, let's say Florida comes in, plays well, Canucks lose, they're not ready to play, does that hit them into a downturn again? Now yeah. they start feeling sorry. Now they look at it like, man, we were one game from being 500. Now we got to win three in a row to get back to 500? Because every loss, that's what it does, right? Like you were one game away. Had you won against the Capitals, you're back to that point. And again, it's a mental point that does matter. And now if the team's like, man, now we got to win three in a row just to get back to that point we need to get back to, it's... Well, I think that's last what Bruce year, worried about. They had too many homestands where they weren't good enough. I mean, by, by, by the end of the year, I think they had the same record at home and on the road, essentially, or pretty close to it. But you're right. The Canucks struggled at home yeah. considerably. Um, considerably. You know, they had, well, even before the change was made, you know, they, they started with six on the road, and then they came home, and they played seven at home, and yeah. they only won two of those games, two of the seven. It was uh, it was not good. Then there was that one late in the season, the games against Detroit and Buffalo, which they end up losing both, and it felt like they had sort of pooched their season there, and then they head out on the road, and they have a really impressive win against Colorado and try to drag themselves back into the playoff race again. I mean, at some point, you've got to find ways to just get consistent results. And 
that hasn't happened right now for this team. And you hope that last night isn't a start of that because, you know, they just, they got outworked. They got bullied to a certain extent. They, mm. they didn't have the same. Did they get bullied though? If you ask the players, <laughs> well, Luke Shen very well said today um, that it, we didn't, he didn't like the word bullied. Mm. So that was uh, sort of interesting, but, but you know what? That's the right message then from the coach. It's like, he's kind of calling them out. Yeah. They're like, well, show pride then. If you don't think you were bullied, then show you weren't bullied next yeah. game. That's ultimately what you want to see this team do. You can't see them fall back into the same habits. And you just you don't expect it from the Pedersen line. That was that was the surprise and that's, last night more than anything. And not to make excuses, but it's more about, again, if you're being fair, like if, if a guy hasn't had an outlier all year yeah. and he has one and it comes after you look at that stretch, you can chalk it up to fatigue. Yeah, it looked like a, he looked like a tired player. Just like, we, got pushed we, around. We're giving this line uh, the the praise that they warranted, you know, right. for the way that they were playing. Hey, this is one of the best lines in hockey. Then they get crushed. They got, they crushed. got crushed. Absolutely crushed. And hey, you got to wear it. Like we yeah. sat here and talked about, hey, playing a matchup role, and, and he lost in a massive way, in, in yeah. a huge way. Does that mean he can't do it? I don't think so, because I think the overwhelming evidence so far this season has been he will continue doing this. So I can see him being a one off. Now, if we see more of that in the next couple of games, now it's like, okay, well, maybe he's starting to hit a rut, and now you start questioning everything. There was uh, one change uh, in the look ahead for tomorrow's game against Florida, and Bruce Boudreaux made it very well known. It's not a for sure that he's going to go this way. It's just a look he wanted to, to see in practice. But Brock Besser was on a line today with – JT Miller and Bo Horvat. So he got bumped up to the first line. Nils Hoglander bumped down off of that first line, even though he did score yesterday. So it's it's not a guarantee, but definitely there is a feeling of an inevitability of this happening at some point, Sat, and giving it a look if you're going to keep Miller on the wing on the wing for a while. Yeah. And it puts the Canucks six best forwards all on the top two lines. So it would in that way make sense as well. It's been a tough year for Brock and listening to him talk about Chris Faber asked him straight up. How do you feel about your game right now? And uh, what do you think you can do with this opportunity? Here's Brock Besser. You know, things have been a little different and had some different alignments over the past couple of weeks here. But, um, you know, I've been trying to work hard and put my work boots on and play the right way and, you know, help our team anyway. And even if I'm not scoring, um, I know I need to play the right way, whether that's blocking shots, getting hits, you know, creating anything for our team. So, um, you know, this is a big opportunity for me and I, I got to make the most of it. So uh, some of that is player speak, you know, uh, playing the right way and all that jazz. Uh, Brock, for the most part this year, has not been playing uh, the right way, especially at evens and the numbers and the goals against he's been on for sort of highlight that. Mm -hmm. But personally, I hear a ton of frustration in Brock's voice there. Yeah, I mean, he should be frustrated. You know, he's not he's playing, what, 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Um he's not in that featured role anymore. Nope. Not getting top power play minutes anymore. He's struggling defensively. I know he's got the points. He's picking up points. That hasn't been the issue, but it's yeah. more about the overall game and what he's providing isn't good enough yet. And, you know, it's problematic because it's clear that when, when even though Besser has some points, but it's clear that him and Garland would drives. And we asked, the one question I had was, can that Garland-Besser duo on the third line with Sheldon drives be something? The answer to that is no. No. It's not even even just getting offensive zone starts and trying to get them up against the opposition's fourth line. Like 
Nothing. There's couple, no chemistry there. A couple good moments here and there, right? But yeah. really nothing there. Now, maybe that develops. But again, that's a lot of money you're paying for a third line not giving you much. It's, it's a lot of money to be, you know, and, tagging on to a guy who's basically a, a, a journeyman in the NHL. And then this, this comes back to if you keep in Kuzmenko, how does that fit in beyond yep. this season and everything? And, and how much value do you get out of Brock Besser playing on a third line, being on the second power play unit, and not being a driver on his own? It's problematic. It's a lot of money, right? Like it's and the problem too is if you're getting paid that much money, this goes back to my discussion around Kuzmenko. Like I don't want to be paying that guy, say six or seven, if he's not getting by the goals himself. And I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm saying like if he's like Bester, that means he needs the right circumstance to be really good. Yeah, that's still a good player. It's important to have those guys because you need those guys to play where your top players. But you can't have you can't have six of those guys. No. You can have two, three, four to fit your top six, but I mean, the other ones that don't play those rules, what other skill set do they have? What do they bring to the table? How do they help you win hockey games? Besser, as of right now, like, think about this. When Brock Besser first broke into the league, even a couple of years ago in the North Division when Brock was easily this team's best player, most consistent player, played all 56 games, led the team in scoring that year, and was really good hasn't found that level of consistency since the North Division. But now if you were to, like, power rank the Canucks' most dangerous forwards, Mm -hmm. Brock's not even in the top five anymore. (sighs) Yeah, so, I mean, one, two, three. Pedersen, Miller, Horvat, Kuzmenko. Mikheyev. Yeah. Because Mikheyev has been more dangerous than Besser right now. He is. And it's not just offensively dangerous. It's like how you're impacting the game. Yeah. You know, uh, we had a caller last night. I forget w- w- what the caller's name was. Um, but he mentioned, maybe it was Jeff, but essentially he mentioned Canucks need more dynamic players. Yeah. And the gist of it is right. You know, how are you impacting the game? And how do you find a way to impact the game yourself? If you throw Mikheyev on a third line without playing with Pedersen, he's still going to impact the game. Yeah, He'll he's, be- he's still going to get like, you know couple of breakaway chances yeah. he'll have rush chances every single game because of his speed and his his two-way um his two-way iq and he'll be good defensively helping yeah. on the pk so like no matter like he he's one of those he's dynamic he is yeah. he's a dynamic player now how dynamic is it should he be one of your top five you can you can debate that especially when you're paying the amount of money you're paying for guys like garland and besser you want one of those guys to be ahead of besser him. and garland more money right now than Ilya mikhaev but sure. i think i think that's that's the, that's to me that stands out in a massive way mikhaev and kuzmenko come in and right away without a beat usurp those players and i know besser got hurt behind the eight ball but he's had plenty of opportunities since coming back to reclaim that and he hasn't been able to and i think that says a lot where two guys come in one guy who never played in the national hockey league and they're just clearly favorable in those positions it says a ton that Boudreaux has that, like, you know, one spot open next to Horvat and Miller, and he's been very reluctant to give it to Besser. Yeah. Very reluctant. And this is a guy, he, like, he, he really... So, so last year, I was thinking about this, because um, we were talking about how last year Bruce kept throwing Besser out there, and it's like, yeah. hey, I want him to play himself through it. Like, I think he's a guy that needs to play through it, even when he's struggling, give him more ice time. That's He'll get out of it sooner that way. More reps will help him. But part of the reason that was the case, because he didn't really feel like any other options other than him were better for him to forego doing that. Garland, as we all know, based on what he said about Garland, healthy scratch him this year. And it's always been a yeah, but, yeah, but when he's talking about Garland, doesn't rate him that high, clearly. But now that he has Kuzmenko and Mikheyev, he has him above Besser. So Besser's no longer a priority for him to like, I got to get this guy going. Because he has other options he feels better about anyways. And that's problematic. So if you're looking at... How does Besser get out of it? 
he'll get out of it probably by playing a bit better or whatever. But are we going to be looking at him having a tough time being productive as the season goes on when he's not going to get featured? Yeah. Because we're seeing Garland really slip, really mm-hmm. slip. And Bruce called him out last night. Yep. He wasn't wrong. I found it strange that he's the guy that got the brunt of the criticism when everybody was pretty bad. It was a direct question it about was. Garland. It was. It's fair. But, you know, I'm just saying Bruce never shies away from an opportunity to share an opinion on Garland. Yeah. Right? I think that's pretty clear from now. So, like, is Besser, if Besser enters into the Gar- Garland portal, <laughs> is he getting out of the Garland portal? You hope not. There's just, a lot I mean, of money tied into that player. And, you know, and trade. And you want to, if anything, you want to build him back up as an asset. And I know Dan Advance says, bye-bye, Besser, and trade him and all that. And, hey, look, I'm all for trades. You should be trying to make trades. They may still be a month or two away from being able to make some trades or depending on what's going on. But how easy is it to trade Besser if he's playing your third line, struggling, and if his production starts to dry up? Three goals in 17 games. Yeah. Is it... <laughs> I, I don't want to give too much credence to plus minus, but he's minus 14. He's Basically, been on for a ton of goals yeah. at five on five. The trend isn't great. Um, I want to see him play better. I know he's a better player than what he's shown. Mm-hmm. He's capable of doing so. The question is, can you get the mix right to do so? Does that mean at some point you move Miller down the middle to be able to do that? Uh, do you get something out of your third line? Do they eventually get chemistry? But if, for two things, if you want Besser to be an asset for you, whether it's to play here or trade him, you got to get him in a bigger role. You got to get him, get more out of him. And he's got to, he's got to earn that though. At the yeah. same time, it's uh, tough. He's got to be better. Tomorrow could be a big, big spot for Brock Besser for sure. And Mike says, was he not just one of the hottest point streaks in the league? And you no, know, he was. But it's still like it's about usage and it's about overall defensive play. Guys can pick up points, but even though he's picking up points, the coach is still not favoring him. What does that say about what he thinks his impact and winning is right now? It's uh, Canucks Central. We'll have more on this tomorrow in the lead-up to the Canucks and Florida Panthers. Uh, A lot of people helping out on this show today. Elon Angelina, producer Josh Elliott-Wolf, who finally got home after about 75 hours in the car last night. And uh, my co-host, Satyar Shah. I'm Dan Riccio. You've been listening to Canucks Central.